And then around 4.45, there's a tempo modulation uh, after the so solo. So long. It's too many, too many timestamps post four minutes. It's not a Too good. many timestamps. <laughs> 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 they are going too long. Too many timestamps. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. It's such a long song. <laughs> and I. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Welcome to the So So Cool Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the way it used to be, skillet it down today. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Mud. I mean, my name is Brandon. Uh, I'm Joe the Fisherman. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? No, that was uh, great. That was that's from uh from one of the songs off of our album today. Talking about the way things used to be. Oh yeah, today. It's putting time. It's putting time. It's putting time, children. It's probably good to explain that. Otherwise, people who aren't super familiar with it will be like, "What?" No explanation ever. We haven't gotten an introduction to you. Sir, kind sir. Yeah. Mr. Nodal? Matthew. <coughs> I think I got like a carrot shard in my windpipe. That's no good. <laughs> so what's going on? Should we just talk about Primus or? Primus sucks. <coughs> Joe, I feel like, we might I need feel to pause. like you're having issues with shards. You shard, sharded yourself. um all right so we're gonna talk about primus today um the album frizzle fry so i was curious to hear from you guys like what your previous to listening to this because i i think that i listened to primus a decent amount but they weren't like in the pantheon of my favorite bands really and i think i i i listened to them more as a bass player, because I wanted to listen to and kind of hone in on Les Claypool as a bass player and didn't necessarily, I like their music, but I didn't like adopt them into my, like, this is what I want my music to sound like when we were like a band or whatever. And as a band, I don't know if we listen to them a lot, but I could be misremembering that. So where does, what do you guys think about, um, and like, what do you? How do you feel about Primus? Like before the last couple of weeks when we were listening to it for the pod. Yeah, I remember hearing this album Frizzle Fry for the first time, and my mind kind of being blown by it. But you know, I had heard it like in junior high or something, so like long after it came out, um, and after Primus had released a ton of other records. But it never was a thing that was, like, deep in my rotation. I think, like, the thing that I loved about it was Tim Alexander's um, drumming, I think, was... I think similar to you. Like, you listened to it because 
you were a bass player and you like are um you know listening to the virtuosity of les claypool and i think the same thing went for me which was like listening to the virtuosity of tim alexander and i think i also really liked some of the sounds he got on this record like i remember for a while i tried to emulate that sort of um high-pitched snare that like really tight high-pitched snare was something that i liked um that it wasn't just tim alexander there are a couple of drummers in the mid 90s that kind of created that sound um and i liked it and so that was something that um really stuck with me but yeah i never like this wasn't something that was like in my rotation a lot but i do remember liking it and um just loving the virtuosity and i think like this time around um well i don't know if you want us to go into that yet but this time around i think like the two reasons i listened to it back then was like les claypool and tim alexander and this time my takeaway was like i found it a little hard to get into like it took a little it took a couple of listens before i like really kind of appreciated it again and it's funny because i think um uh the like thing that drew me in this time was actually the guitar playing which was just interesting that is interesting um yeah i i remember liking this album and i had a burnt copy of it uh and but i think i thought i liked it more than i actually did and when i went back to it i was like oh i don't i i was not super familiar with the record i was very familiar with like the first five tracks um and then the rest of them i maybe never heard before um so i don't know that i would say i was a primus fan but um i kind of liked it and what i think it is is they had they had these elements that cross over with so many things that i was into like they had a very goofy element and and bands that had goofy elements tended to be like, oh, well, that's cool. They had a maybe a little bit of a progressive element, maybe not as much on this album, but they had a little bit of a progressive element, and they also had a virtuosic element. And so I kind of thought, like, this band is more up my alley than I think it is. Um, and listening to it this time, I was like, like Matt, I... When I first started listening to it, I was like, oh, man, I I don't know about this. Um, but it actually grew on me more and more uh, as I listened. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I, did, I never saw them live, and I, I would never have said that they were one of my favorite bands. But I had an appreciation for them. Yeah, I think when I was between maybe 16 and 20-ish, I was probably more of a Les Claypool fan than a Primus fan. And obviously this is his biggest, most well-known project. But like, I remember there were a few of his projects. Like there was the one Oyster Head. Yeah, um, I was going to say. With Trey Anastasio and uh, Stuart Copeland. Um, And I remember loving that record. And that's a little bit more, um, you know, kind of jazzy, jammy kind of vibe to it. Um, and they all that it's a, it's a little different too because they all sing 
So it doesn't, it's not like every song is that has that really goofy Primus Les Claypool vibe. Um, yeah. So, which I was always surprised by. I, I also really liked Oysterhead. I remember you got me into that record, Joe. Um, and I think I probably listened to that record more than any Primus record. Um, but I think I wanted to like Primus more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember always being surprised because you were not a jam band fan. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was always a little surprised that it was a little bit... Because um, that one is a bit more jammy although i was surprised listening back to this record how jammy it is like it yeah yes really leans into it big Um, time yeah i i think i probably would like jam music maybe i would like it more now um just because i think i was more strident and i was more like it it was more like principle (laughs) dislike for jam music than than really assessing it on its merits I kind of wanted to talk about that, but I think it's interesting how Primus didn't, I guess they kind of became popular before the whole huge jam band thing kind of went mainstream in like the late nineties. Jam bands were like around obviously for a long time, but there was, they had like a moment. So in some ways I think it's interesting how they got lumped in to the jam band world because they do have elements of it, but also sonically, they're very different. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, his collaboration with Trey Anastasio, like, definitely clearly in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of, like, there are a lot of things that kind of were adjacent or lumped into the jam band stuff, like Modesky Martinwood. Um, there was, like, purist kind of jammy stuff, like sort of the Grateful Dead revival things, like Fish. And I would even probably put Dave Matthews band in there. And then there was a stuff kind of surrounding that, like that was more jazz influenced or not sure where Primus fits into that, but. Yeah. But when we went to, I think we've talked about it maybe in other bands for other episodes, but when we went to Bonnaroo in 2004, that was um, a good encapsulation of that kind of extended universe um, where you've got like Primus played there. We saw primus um and and then you had like the pure jam bands and then there was like your americana like wilco and calexico and yeah i don't know there were lots of other bands there um so yeah it was kind of like a thing in the late 90s and early 2000s and primus kind of fit into it but um it's not totally intuitive either no because like i don't know you hear like Especially on this record, the metal influences and a little bit of funk and blues for sure. So maybe that's where you get like there's a lot of blues on this record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then like I don't know, the drumming is just so metally. Yeah, yeah. They're straddling two worlds that you don't think of together: that jammy element and the metal element and grunge. Oh yeah. And like I yeah, like I didn't even realize how grungy this album was until mm-hmm. like this this listen and listening to the guitars it's like oh wow, this is like very grunge sounding guitars. I was shocked at how much I was like wow, Primus must have had a huge influence on new metal 
Because there was a lot of stuff that sounded new metal to me, but like in a way that they liked Primus. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even Rage. Um, there's one spot in particular that I was like, this sounds like something that came out. Was it 91 when the first Rage came out? 92? Nin- um, 92, I think, yeah. There are parts that are like, wow, that sound that sounded like Rage Against the Machine, and there are parts that sound like Corn, and I'm planning on pointing those out. But um, uh-huh. I was like, wow, this really—I feel like this really had a huge influence on stuff that came later. Yeah, it definitely feels very mashupy, mm-hmm. like um, just the drumming style, the guitar aesthetic, and then just the the quirkiness of of Les's vocals and the bass and I don't know they it feels very like purposefully mashing a bunch of genres together in like a kind of uh unsettling way yeah that's another part of it that it's it's unsettling and creepy too there's a mm-hmm. <laughs> um and maybe that even more the visual element of the band uh, plays into that even For more. Sure. Uh, the the artwork and the videos are, I mean, borderline disturbing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but I got some kind of bungly. The the there's I think there's some of that um, sound in there too, beyond just like the visuals of like the carnival, like the yeah. kind of creepy carnival vibe in this album and more i think in some of their later stuff especially on the you can't kill michael malloy it's like totally i I actually wrote down i was like is this from a bungle album (laughs) yeah a little bit to what brandon was getting at i think that we especially for me i think i first heard of primus when they came out with the brown album um because of shake hands (laughs) with beef uh, and that was played on the box a lot where we lived. So I think of them that way. So when I think of like they put out their first album in 89, I mean, it was a live album, but then this album came out in 90. They were sort of ahead of the alternative boom. Yeah. Yeah. And they started like in 84. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. The Apple Music notes for this record um was quote with its first studio album primus became heroes to three of the most notoriously hard to please segments of music culture thrash metal purists classically trained instrumental virtuosos virtuosos (laughs) 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 uh and willfully eccentric alternative rock devotees so yeah like that's like i guess what we were saying about the mashup quality is like yeah i mean you just kind of bring all these elements together the like prog the funk grunge metal alternative yeah it really is Uh, i saw something online somebody had said primus is like tool for hillbillies (laughs) and i thought that was really astute too there's a lot of twanginess yeah but another band that i think of a lot when i listen to this album is presidents of the united states of america which Mm. is a totally different feel but there's there's crossover with all these different types of things. Mm-hmm. I was just maybe the last point and we can talk a little bit about background, but um, we were talking 
a bit earlier about how Les is so clearly influenced by funk and his playing is so influenced by funk, but like it's not, and it's obvious because of his, the slap bass element of, of his playing, but it's not that often that they get into a pocket where you're like, Oh, that's funky. It's really not. Yeah. Right. It really doesn't happen that many times. So it's an interesting thing. I noted specifically that I was like, I'm surprised it's not more funky mm-hmm. uh, because he it's so bass driven and he plays the way he does. Um, uh, but I was telling Joe before, like so many of his bass lines are just like relentless. It's like there's there's barely any space in them. And when you play like that, it's it doesn't feel funky at all. <laughs> um well, that's Bye. the thing is, like, I think um, one of the things I wrote down just as an overall impression, it, similar to what you said, is that um, his playing, Les Claypool's playing, handles so much of the structural structural aspects that, like, fills out everything. Like, there's not a lot of room. Like, yeah. he's kind of handling a lot of the sonic quality. And then the drums are just kind of, like, just pounding away on top of it and so you don't really ever get this groovy feeling and then on top of it the guitar just kind of is free to do whatever the hell it wants uh-huh. and so it's kind of interesting like listening to the guitar lines because they aren't really um playing like sort of rock kind of guitar even though the sound is very grungy he's just kind of usually like just floating on top and doing whatever like little quirky things he wants to do and so there are very few places where they like are really kind of playing the three of them together doing a groove. It's like Les Claypool playing something with the drums and then the guitar is just making like soundscapes, basically. Yeah. I think this is where some of the new metal influence comes in, but I feel like Les is often playing simultaneously bass, rhythm guitar, and sort of lead. Like there's so much of like the strumming stuff that he does that's just like adding so much mud and like just like fat stuff in there and then he's doing like sort of more virtuosic up on the um on the fretboard kind of playing and then just like traditional bass lines sometimes um yeah but there are a surprising amount of guitar solos yes which kind of runs counter to that yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But all of this that we're talking about is what makes it feel so jammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and not progressive at all. Mm-hmm. Like as somebody who really appreciates the progressive stuff, I listened to this and I was like, "Oh, it's not like it feels disorganized." And I like when things yeah. feel more organized than this. <laughs> yeah. Um and that comes from like the bass is doing what the bass does. The guitar is doing whatever the guitar wants to do. And the drums are usually just going crazy. Um, and it's like, I mean, this sometimes sounds good and sometimes sounds cacophonous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they definitely get like wall of sound in a few places. But I feel like they do. I mean, it, it is interesting like how sometimes you'll just be kind of in a loop. And then all of a sudden, everything will change all together and so there yeah. is like that aspect of it which is like they go into these moments of jammy things and then they sort of like end up coming back to this prog rocky kind of thing where they like just like change sections and play um 
things that sound a bit more through composed for like very brief moments and then kind of go yeah. back into like these jammy things. And I marked most of those down as my favorite parts <laughs> of the songs. Yeah. Uh, Cause whenever there's like a little moment when they play together, it's like, Ooh, that's so refreshing to the ear. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And they do it really well. Yeah. I think the other, another thing about the, that gives them a jammy vibe is similarly to what Brandon's saying. There's a structural simplicity to a lot of their songs. Um, there's a lot of like part A, B, A, B, and they go on longer than maybe would be, you know, wise. Yeah. They just vamp. I mean, like, I mean, even thinking about like the toys go winding down is like mm-hmm. a good example of like, it, they just vamp something for yeah a long, long period of time. Um, yeah. All right, well, we can move on because we, we're blowing all of our great points for when we actually listen. Um, <laughs> so some background, even though we've kind of already laid this out a bit, but um, so the classic lineup and the lineup that's on this album, Frizzle Fry, uh, is Les Claypool on bass, Larry Lalonde on guitar, and Tim Herb Alexander um, on drums. Um, and Les and Larry have been basically in the band ever since their first album. And, uh, Tim has like come and gone a couple times and they've had a one or two other drummers that have come in. Um, but you know, they've taken some hiatuses, but they have basically played since the mid eighties. Um, when they originally formed, there was a, a guitarist named Todd Huth that was, has continued to play with less um but basically dropped out of the band in 87 88 ish time frame um but todd huth is also was a huge influence on these songs because these songs had been um in the primus rotation for a few years um so he contributed a lot of the the guitar parts to these tunes um, so Primus is from the Bay Area, um, and they are kind of, you mentioned Kisner, the sort of, um, did you mention the sort of, oh yeah, the tool for hillbillies? Yeah. Which is kind of interesting because they're like thought of as a Bay Area band, but I guess they're from like sort of a North Bay town that is sort of sort of in the exurbs of the bay area where they're kind of starting to get a little bit of rural um feel so i guess less yeah. in particular has kind of like a a weird ma- mix of being from the bay area but also because kind of like a rural background and that is kind of carried through in a lot of the song content a lot of stuff about fishing and like weird sort of oddities of rural white American culture. Um, yeah. Lots of yeah. Str- strained characters and stuff like that. You mentioned Joe, them being from the Bay, um, which uh, we were talking about in the, in the text thread that, yeah, they recorded this record at different first studios, which is, mm-hmm. we just have done a couple of records that have been recorded there. So yeah. Headhunters. Were there others? 
Um, at, at some parts of California were recorded okay. there. Cool. Um, and related to California, they kind of were in a scene with Mr. Bungle, Faith No More, um, Bad Brains, um, the kind of California punk and alternative uh, kind of music that was uh, growing throughout the 80s. Um, other fact that I thought was interesting was Larry was a student, a guitar student of Joe Satriani. Huh. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, and for those of us who were obsessed with behind the music when we were in junior <laughs> high and high school, you may remember that Les tried out for Metallica. In the 80s? He tried out for Metallica when uh, Cliff Burton died. So in 87. Yeah. Well, he was, he was friends with Kirk Hammett from yeah, yeah. school. Yeah, they, they went to high school together. He was friend, like good friends with Kirk Hammett, and um, he gave him Ride the Lightning, I think. And Les said he listened to it, but it wasn't like... He was a big Metallica fan, so he didn't even know that they were a big deal, really. So he just kind of like... Oh. Yeah. Like he said he went when to When he auditioned, he didn't realize how big a deal they were? Is that what you mean? Yeah. He said he was shocked because they had like um, a person like at the front desk being like, okay, they're ready to see you now. And he was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of fun connections there. And I guess they had, um, what's his name? Mike Borden from faith. No more was in one of their, I think maybe John, the fisherman or something. One of the early videos, the drummer. Um, and he also did vocals on a song. And then uh, on the next album, after this one, their first major label, Studi, Tommy the Cat had um, uh, Tom Waits on it as, as Tommy the Cat, um, ah, which is kind of cool. And Les referred to Tom Waits as his hero. That kind of makes sense. I could see, yeah. see in some of the vo- his vocal approach. Yeah. And and the quirkiness, yeah, yeah. It seems like they have collaborated with a lot of people, mm-hmm. and and that he he has collaborated on more than one occasion with Fred Durst. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Fred Durst produced one of Primus's songs on Anti Pop. Okay, yeah, that was that. What? That was like ninety nine or two thousand, something like that. Yeah, and he was, I think, on the track. And Les Claypool was on the secret track of Limp Bizkit's second studio. He was, so they were, he was on, uh, yeah, he he did multiple things with Fred Durst. He seems to get along with a lot of different types of people. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, and it maybe shows in the music too, like it doesn't really fit into any box very neatly. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it seems like he pulls from a lot of influences in a lot of places and he genuinely kind of um, appreciates and likes a lot of different styles of music. And so, yeah, I can see that. Which is really cool. I, I think it's really cool if he can get along with that many different types of people. And Yeah. 
I think like the virtuosity aspect and how silly and satirical the lyrics are, it could easily dip into like being really pretentious, but you never get that sense. It always feels lighthearted, even when the it's like a little bit of a serious thing, like anti-war and things like that. Um, but it always kind of has this sort of light quality to it, even though the music is kind of just virtuosic, wacky, sometimes pretty dark sounding sonically. It never has like, it never comes across as like being pretentious or anything like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least in my reading. For sure. Yeah. He seems like an accessible or presents himself as sort of like an accessible sort of working class kind of person. It's also nice that you could do a two degrees of separation from Fred Durst to Tom Waits. (laughs) Or would that be one degree of separation? I don't know which, how many you count. Right. Is the connection even stronger if Kevin Bacon is also involved? <laughs> we, it's possible. <laughs> so just a few other factoids about the album. So this was on uh, an independent label. This was their first studio album. They released a live album before this in 1989 called Suck On This. And um, which I feel like is a very like late 80s alt <laughs> band album it's like the real thing or like i don't know whatever um uh, uh and then so this it also was, sounds like it would be an album in the hair metal genre yeah could be <laughs> just got an 80s vibe uh and then this um was uh recorded in um mostly in December of 1989 and was released in, in February, 1990. Um, and then they released a ton of stuff after this that got a lot more popular. And I picked this album. It's, it's not their most popular album, but it's like their first studio album. And it was the first one I ever got. And I think it was kind of a, just, just a, a coincidence that that was what was at like Best Buy or media play. And I, snatched it i didn't do it with any sort of intent same first record i had also yeah yeah it's the only primus stuff i ever had and i think i just burnt it from one of you guys yeah unless claypool has said this is his favorite album like recently i read that yeah yeah his favorite primus album (laughs) his favorite primus album yeah yeah uh and then, okay, so, and then the other thing that's weird about Primus is they had a moment and they were really huge for an alter, for as mm. weird as they are, they were very big. So they put out an album in 91, Sailing the Seas of Cheese, and Pork Soda in 93. And Pork Soda, they, they got like progressively bigger and Pork Soda was pretty big. Um, it was number seven it it reached number seven on the billboard albums chart um okay in 93 that's the one that my name is mud yeah was that the lead single off of that yeah one? yeah um and they headlined Lollapalooza in 93 wow which is weird isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is i i don't think of them as becoming really big 
I, I think of them as being very well regarded among all, the alternative scene, mm-hmm. but not necessarily headlining big, <laughs> yeah. big festivals. Yeah, I guess. And maybe it was just they couldn't get anybody else, but... It's surprising to me yeah. that they headlined Lollapalooza one year in the in the early '90s. Maybe also worth mentioning the first time I probably ever heard Primus was South Park. Okay, yeah, <laughs> the, For, the South Park. Uh, you can drop a bit here. Um, <laughs> I also thought it was interesting. This is aside from Headhunters, which is um, a bit of a an outlier stylistically and and time wise this is the earliest album we've like the oldest album we've done yeah i was thinking about that too i forgot about headhunters so i was like this might be the the oldest album we've ever done but mm-hmm. you're yeah headhunters was way before this but yeah it it's it that's weird i know it doesn't feel like it's a 1990 record feels like it could have been 99 yeah <laughs> Yeah, I had that as a question yeah. for you guys. Like, does this feel like a 90, 90 album? Um, and really, it should feel like an 80s album. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, it was yeah. released in February of 1990. Yeah. So, And it really doesn't feel like an 80s album either. Yeah. No, it's definitely ahead of its time. That's for sure. Yeah. But it does, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like There are certain things that on this listen, I think if you were to... I feel mixed about that. Like on the one hand, it sounds not of its time. And on the other hand, it does like there were certain aspects of it to me that was like, Oh, I hear like the Jane's addiction kind of aspect of it. Or I don't know. There were certain things that kind of did feel like it was straddling eighties and nineties, but then other aspects that felt not. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel mixed about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I would have, I if I had to guess just by the music, I might have put it in like the grunge era, mm-hmm. um, like a ninety three, ninety four, ninety two, ninety three, maybe. Yeah, I think it's. I agree with you, Matt, to the extent that like if you put it in the context of Jane's Addiction and you know the Chili Peppers didn't release an album this year, but they did in eighty nine and then ninety. 91 yeah if you put it like between that and the faith no more stuff and like um living color and like oh there's kind of like not the biggest most popular music of that time but like the stuff that they were their peers it does make a little bit more sense but if you that's true if you think of it as like whatever some of the speed metal stuff too yeah. yeah Um, I was just, I did pull out some albums from 1990 that were like influential or interesting, like, um, Let's do it. Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy, Goo by Sonic Youth, Bossa Nova by Pixies, Ritual, Ritual de lo Habitual by Jane's Addiction, uh, Repeater by Fugazi, Time's Up, Living Color, uh, America's Most Wanted, Ice Cube with the KKK. Um, mm. A Tribe Called Quest. Um, People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm. Um, and then also one that wasn't super popular but thought was interesting was Uncle Tupelo. Uh, no Depression. Sort of of the, the um, cowpunk genre. 
Um, Haven't talked about that since Everclear. Right. And then there were also like pop, really popular stuff like MC Hammer. Paul Abdul, New Kids on the Block. Yeah, MC Hammer, uh, Sinead O'Connor. Um, that's kind of a sense for like Madonna was like super huge, put out the Immaculate Collection um, this year. Um, so yeah, just to get a sense of what was going in like the super pop world. George Michael, I saw this like contemporaneous review in uh, the Chicago Tribune that was like really talked a lot about the funk um, element to them. And this was an interesting perspective. I thought it said San Francisco trio is a bit less chaotic than that of other more famous white West coast punk funk band, the red hot chili peppers, which I thought was interesting that they were considered less chaotic, but I suppose, but, and that's compared to like mother's milk, but Primus seems more chaotic than the chili peppers to me. Musically way less. Uh, I'm sorry. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could read the sort of jammy aspect. I don't know. There are some times where they're just kind of making soundscapes. I don't know that it's it's complicated. Like, there are certain things that are, like, musically complicated. But, yeah, I guess it depends on the... Yeah, I could see it both ways. I think, like, the sound is more chaotic with um, Primus. I, I feel like one of the things that you you think of when you think of the Chili Peppers being chaotic is Anthony Kiedis and his energy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel I feel like that's what makes them most chaotic. Yeah. Not necessarily their music. Yeah, because, like, the drums on, on this record are pretty chaotic. The <laughs> guitar is, like, all over the place. Um, and then the bass is just, yeah. Yeah. I would call it quite chaotic. Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> sure. that jumped out to me because it's the opposite of what I would have. The the comp I would have done would have been completely flipped. Like there are things here that remind me of Chili Peppers a little bit, but Chili Peppers seems more um, rooted in kind of like funk, and this seems much noisier. But at the same time, this is in at the time responding to Mother's Milk, so they don't have all the subsequent catalog to compare it to so maybe that makes more sense yeah and it makes a lot of sense for them to draw comparisons to chili peppers yeah i would think at this time and i think his voice is a little bit like billy holiday <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> totally get that vibe yeah um the last last thing i'll say here is uh robert christgau um famed music reviewer described this album as Don Knotts Jr. joins the Minutemen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw that one too. Yeah. And he also referred to the- Don Knotts Jr. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I don't know that, I don't know that he would have said that if he hadn't seen them perform. It, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I guess that's a sort of the like, country weird yokely kind of country vocals um yeah and then he also said i think this was when pork soda came out quite possibly the strangest top 10 band ever yeah 
I mean, that seems true. Yeah. There's also a comparison you made to System of a Down with kind of medley, uh, kind of really goofy at times, and then message songs. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if System would be a top 10 band. Maybe at that. Uh, um, I, th- I think so. Like, yeah. they've had number one albums. Yeah, I think at so. their peak, they probably were. But still, I think Primus might be weirder. Yeah. So I can't think of anything weirder. I'll just say that. <laughs> I mean, it, this goes back to the sort of like, is it of its time or not? And I feel like, I don't, this was the, I feel like the late 80s to mid 90s, there was this opening for bands to just be really silly. I don't, really see a ton of that in the later 90s and or like early 2000s um so it's like it does sort of fit into that landscape a bit yeah the very late 80s and especially the early 2000s things in rock i think got way more serious um but like but it, yeah it's something like cake and presence in the united states of america and like there were these groups that were like very unserious the Chili Peppers had like a quirky mm-hmm. aspect to them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, like Rage Against the Machine was super weird and funny, <laughs> quirky. <laughs> yeah, I would always describe them as quirky. So so quirky and silly. I think it depends. I don't know. I think it comes and goes, and like because I think I think of the early '90s, particularly the grunge era, as not very much about having a sense of humor or being quirky at all. Um, so it was like maybe for a short window and then, but Primus was weird. I don't think there were a lot of other comps at this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, the closest is probably Mr. Bungle, but they're a very different yeah. version of it. And I think of like the post grunge era as more quirky, like with like cake and Beck and, the kind of like soul coughing, like white guys doing the kind of semi-ironic rapping. G-Love. Yeah. Yeah. I think of middle, middle-ish late 90s as when that silliness really could kind of take off. Even Ben Folds. Mm. Uh, but maybe not 1990. <laughs> yeah. So... All right, maybe we should defy the laws of tradition here. Um, we could defy the laws of tradition and not listen. <laughs> <laughs> Just wrap it up. <laughs> that right there, that's a YYZ Rush reference. sounds very picked which i don't think it is this sounds so early 90s yeah like late 80s early 90s that like phaser oh yeah kind of like i don't know like a faith no more or something it's kind of an alt like late 80s alt band yeah or like alice in chainsy or something oh yeah yeah
And now it's very not Alice in Chains. Yeah. good one um so the beginning of that song doesn't really sound like primus like we were you know you guys were saying like it sounds like late 80s early 90s alt music yeah. but <clears throat> there's nothing else really on the album i can think of that really sounds like that no i almost wonder if that's like intentional it's like you put the record on and you think like, oh, it's going to be like an alt band. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden it's like very not. <laughs> and then when it kicks in. It, out of nowhere. It sounds very much like Primus. Yeah. 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 And I'm really glad I looked up uh, a video of them playing this song. And I got to see like Les Claypool, the way he walks around the stage. <laughs> um, it's really funny. He does <laughs> like he spins around and then like we'll just walk across the front of the stage. <laughs> and it really made me laugh. He does this one footed um tap thing, like where he's kinda like like uh mm. I don't know. He has a very distinct style of he's also a very tall man. I mean, I guess he's yeah. not extremely tall, but he's tall and like thin and has a very specific look. Gangly. Yeah. Um yeah, well, that reminds me of the thing we were talking about before. Like, um, he, he reminds me just like aesthetically a little bit of like Weird Al. Yeah, like he's quirky and tall. And I think that's maybe where my brain was when I mentioned the comment earlier about like it fitting into that like mm. a moment of like silliness. And maybe that's why like I was thinking of like Weird Al and stuff like that. Yeah. Um so I would just call out like off the bat the um the one th- thing that the technique that he does is that kind of like strumming with his uh I guess it's almost like a flamenco style of strumming that he does often um which is very cool and unique for like a um rock and roll bass player um which is like right, right at the, when it kicks in, that's what he's doing, and he does that a lot. Yeah. Yep. I really like the like opening of this song a lot. Um, we didn't hear any of his vocals yet. No, yeah. we did not. <laughs> I mean, this is like this is a thing that's going to be recurrent. Is like they they do vamp quite a bit and so like you know we're gonna have to maybe play a couple of different sections to get a taste of a song mm-hmm. um did you have any moments i wrote down 340 for the guitar solo but are there any other parts well there i don't know if we need to go out of our way to play the verses because um it's similar to what we already heard it just says vocals so maybe we'll get cat we'll catch pieces of that but i thought th- i put in 3 11 um uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you did that's the section that i put in cuz that's where he does that's the, the tapping the, the larger tradition yeah i think that's where he does the tapping 
um, part. And that's really cool. That would have been a neat collaboration. Yeah. They, they probably, maybe they played like festivals together. I could see it. I'll bet, I mean, they both have the, they both do fit in the jam scene. Mm-hmm. So. So you said How three, about a three eleven. Les Claypool peanut collaboration. <laughs> Base off. <laughs> oh yeah, that section's really cool. Yeah. example of where the guitar is just kind of meandering on top of this like cool drum and bass bit and honestly that was a little funky i'll i'll give that one some funk points yeah i think um i was gonna say brandon you mentioned like uh liking to watch watch them play liking watching them Uh play um and I totally agree. And I think watching Les pull off some of this stuff is part of the entertainment. Just like there's a lot of stuff that I hear and I'm like, I want to see how he plays that um, for me. Um, and then also on the guitar solo, there's so much that sounds like such a fat sound. It's kind of um, wild to think that it's just the three of them. I don't know if they do overdubs and stuff but like there's so much um coming from the bass there's like just so much mud and thickness and stuff um it it has it's covering a wide frequency range yeah it has a lot just in the bass alone rhythm guitar kind of qualities as well as bass you know giving a bass line and it yeah you mentioned earlier is kind of playing two parts yeah and it kind of gives Lair that opportunity to do the kind of just like floating solo and it doesn't feel thin at all yeah but even the guitar sound itself is pretty thick like he's Mm -hmm. just the sound of it um it the whole thing kind of fills out and just makes you feel like you're getting hit with a wall of sound um so another thing I noted was this song is structurally, um, I think we, we already talked about a lot of their songs aren't very complicated structurally. Uh, this is pretty simplistic. And then like has a very odd, if you consider the tapping part, the chorus, it's a very odd chorus. And the chorus doesn't repeat until like six minutes in. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think lyrically I would consider that the chorus. Yeah, because it's the to defy um, the laws of tradition part. Yeah. yeah. But it's but it's an odd I, structure of a song. Yeah. As far as songwriting structure and song songs in general, it, Primus is it's hard to <laughs> Uh, think of it like anything else, because <laughs> yeah. it just seems like a lot of repetitive stuff without many different like. And then, often you think of like how they sing stuff as like marking, like, <laughs> and he kind of just sings the same way a lot. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> it's it's interesting you would call that the chorus. I guess like. I probably would have thought of it as a verse because it's like sort of the more quiet. It like brings things down and is like much tighter. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the songs just like much more open and yeah. bombastic. And so I always kind of thought of it more as a verse. Um, but I think to your point, like it doesn't really matter what you call it because it doesn't yeah. really follow any sort of like classic song structures so yeah i think you're right that sonically that is i think lyrically that's the chorus but sonically it's not really it doesn't really work as a chorus but it is there's no like the hook is more the bass line that like yeah is more the hook yeah but right it's the refrain is the to defy the laws of tradition yeah yeah. Any other? I mean, it does defy the laws of tradition. Then I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For cool. sure. Um, do we want to hear any more of that song? I think that's a fun song. It is long. There's a lot of vamping in it's it. It's long, and there's not a whole lot else to it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we need to hear any more. Yeah. I, I that's yeah. always been one of my favorites. Like when I think about this album. And the stuff I used to listen to in back in the day, it was kind of just like the first four tracks. But to defy the laws of tradition and too many puppies in particular were like the ones I remember loving. How did you feel about it this time around? I I still really like this one, and I I think I appreciated the words more. One of the things that I never focused any attention on was the lyrics but i like that to, to defy the laws of tradition as a crusade only of the brave mm-hmm. i really like that that's cool mm-hmm. it's kind so of as far as lyrics go that's one that stands out on the whole album it's kind of a cool lyric for the first song of the first studio album by primus to defy the laws of tradition yeah. is yeah. like sort, sort of, of a, a mission statement yeah what they're yeah. about sets the scene for sure mm-hmm. um i think for me like the first half of the album is where all the like classic songs are too many puppies john the fisherman mr know-it-all mm-hmm. but it's interesting i think like this song i really liked this listen but i think some of the and i still like those songs but i think some of the back half and maybe it's because i didn't listen to them as much i liked a lot more yeah anyway i think the back half has 
my favorite songs, but this song's great. I love yeah. the it it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm just thinking this for the first time, but like like this song, it has that the tapping part. I mean, it has a couple parts that I just glom onto and I think are really cool. And then there's not a ton else there, but like it still kind of works. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think that was like an overall critique mm-hmm. is like, yeah, these songs could be each song could be fifty percent less. Yeah, just cut because like there are really cool parts for all of them, but I don't necessarily want to listen to six minutes of it. Yeah, right, and it it's so repetitive. There's usually like one or two main parts that yeah. repeat and yeah. Groundhog day. Do it. Love the bass chords. Yeah. So cool. The way he sings this one reminds me of President's United States of America a little bit. And this also is one where the guitar actually gets a little bit of a frontal melody. Yeah. I like that a lot. This is a good, like, groove, groovier kind of song. has a little bit of a bobcat uh sound there yeah uh, oh yeah part yeah yeah i do like that loose kind of guitar melody in the beginning yeah me too i wrote that this one uh it makes me laugh but there's a part that i labeled as the sucky part <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh i think um, i know it's what it at is. 236 yeah, yeah i know what yeah <laughs> Oh, I really liked this part. <laughs> this sounds like our band <laughs> jamming for an hour. There's a couple parts <laughs> that I've... <laughs> I love that part. Oh, I let, like I wrote that down as... I, I like that. And there's uh, like... The phrasing is really cool. The, dr- yeah, the drum phrasing is really neat. I, um, I think it's a lot of shape to it. There's a couple parts that a little bit, and then there's one other part that I noted in my that I put in my notes that sounded like a Baggins song. But um, I think yeah. I like that part as a bass player, but I don't really like it as just a listener. Like I like listening, keying in on what he's doing, but it does feel a little like I don't know, like like wanky or something, like like some e- easy. In a sense, it reminds mm-hmm. me. To me, it reminds me less of our band and. Uh... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, this this ties into what I was going to say about the from the Weezer episode. Whereas the Weezer episode, when I listened to this, it kind of reminded me of like the high school punk bands we used to play with. 
this one reminds me at times of the high school funkish bands like us and and the bar bands we played with in the jam scene mm. um do you think listen to primus i guarantee they listen to primus i don't remember really what wasn't sort of sky i thought they were j- jazzy no that's jazzy-ish i think i think they were kind of proggy jazzy i think they may have had a horn player yes i like yeah. we're gonna have to bleep so much of this <laughs> yeah but it does remind me of like there was a moment in our history where funky jammy stuff was being done by a lot of people including us uh-huh. and yeah. uh and it and it reminds me of like when we played in bars and stuff yeah i do like the way he um so seamlessly transitions from the slapping to the strumming like I'm watching him play that it's it's pretty impressive yeah yeah tying into the weezer episode uh can we play the guitar solo i'd like to yeah 348 is what i have as okay so cool yeah are we sure this isn't our band (laughs) i mean we weren't this good true that's the weezer line oh okay can we hear that again what what line is it um i'm dumb she's a lesbian okay that they bit. definitely ripped it he off. Goes, uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. When I heard the guitar solo, I was like, that's such a cool guitar solo. Then I was like, wait a minute, I know that there and I thought for a minute he was quoting something, and then it took me a while to put it together. But mm. especially because they quote uh, Rush in the first one, I thought maybe he was yeah. teasing some other song. But other way around. Uh, I already said this, but that one has very presence United States vibes in the verses, mm-hmm. and that's a band I've thought about put doing on the pod. So maybe there are certain songs where he kind of like talk like mm-hmm. this, talk a little bit like this, and uh-huh. the verses, and <laughs> should we go on to too many puppies? Is there anything yeah. else different in that song? Is that pretty much it? I don't think so. That's pretty much it. All right, let's do too many puppies. This is a favorite in our house. Yeah. Huh. I kind of didn't like this I, song this time around. It's a favorite because we reference oh. it a lot. Like we sing it yeah. around the house. I feel like Corn ripped off this intro. Yeah. Well, it sounds, sounds like a railroad crossing. And then they later they talk about a train, but yeah. Yeah. Well, one of Korn's biggest hits, Blind, starts very similarly to this song. I find that, like, the guitar is so cheesy here. The wah? It's like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? 
And then it's just like a parody of metal music right here. It's just like... Oh, this song <laughs> reminds me of Dread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is one of our old band songs. Yeah, yeah. Guys, this sounds like our band. <laughs> yeah, it does. We ripped. We ripped off Primus. I'm sure I did. Um, we did. I'm. Yeah, we definitely. I mean, like I said, I was. I wanted to emulate this drum sound a lot. I don't think there were any yeah. other um, influences that I had that were doing in rock music that were doing this like the sort of like bass chord sort of like really heavy strumming type things because i didn't really listen to like metal and corn and that that kind of stuff so this would have been where it would would have come from for me yeah this is the one where i was like oh i really hear new metal influence Mm -hmm. like this is the first one that stuck out as like there were a lot of bands that were influenced by this doing it later um which is funny because when i hear this song to me it almost sounds like they're parodying metal and kind of making fun of it a little bit um like it's just that like dun 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 is like it's just so it's really meathead um yeah, and then and then you layer on top of it just like too many puppies. It just sounds like I, maybe it's just because of the lyrics and the sonic quality. There's a disconnect, and then you put the train sound. This is like a train's coming. It just to me is like like it's just the whole thing feels like a a joke. And so yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting that if you think like new metal sounds like that, it's like well then new metal kind of sounds like a joke. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which Yeah. I was going to say actually this I don't think this sounds like Weezer but my um my comment when re- Weezer related comment was the 10 string instrument thing that Weezer on that album yeah. that they that was their goal they were trying to emulate that sound. I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is that 10 but I that's just like kind of a oh, metally yeah. thing." Is just that this feels like yeah. a ten string instrument just pummeling you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I like that bit about it. Like I think I don't know. There's something about this song that like I remember loving it back in the day, and then this time I was like, eh. Um, and it might just yeah. be that it goes, it just goes on and on. But like I think like the in little bits I really like it. Like this like. The beginning is like kind of funny and then like it sounds really thick and pretty cool. Um and then there's like a a spot at like two minutes where they get like really atonal and do this like weird double guitar bit. But then they just come back to the train sounds again. It's just like, oh, we're gonna we're there again. Is it gonna get pummeled again? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Honestly that boom bum 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 that uh, reminds me of 311. That sounds like freeze time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, which is 311 trying to sound heavier than they are. Yeah. 
311 didn't do it intentionally funny, but yeah, no. Well, I mean, I don't know if they're intentional. I mean, it sounds cool. Like, I, I don't mean to say like it sounds stupid. Like, I like it. I just sort of took it as like it's it's a little bit of a parody. Yeah. But like, not necessarily making fun of in like a mean way. It's just like kind of parodying a specific sound. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if it is because it's it is quite old uh, too. <laughs> Another reason why it might sound a little meatheady. And metal parody-ish, as this is apparently the first song Les Claypool ever wrote. Oh. Hmm. Ever. That's, that's what I read. Nice. Yeah. I love this guitar bit. This is the iconic one I think of. When people say Primus, this is the one I mm. think of. I really love that. Don't, 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 that like sort of hammer on or whatever he's doing, sliding into those bass chords. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, that guitar solo. I just love it. It's all over the place. Um, and I just love like it. It is pretty. Um, like for a song that is kind of vamping over and over a couple of chords to then just kind of do this like atonal thing on top of it is really neat like that do you guys know blind by corn no Could not we pull it up for a minute i thought you were like blind melon it's like no <laughs> blind illusion was a band that les claypool was in oh in the 80s Use your illusion. Use your best album of the nineties. Use your illusion. We have referenced Arrested Development. I think every episode this season. We have to keep it going. Use your illusion. Don't don't do Poe. I'm doing Poe. But if you want to put an illusion in there. (laughs) I mean, this is pretty much what I'm talking about. Yeah. It sounds very similar. Like, you just add a little extra bit. A little bass part was cool. Yep. We should do a corn album. This is the one. I don't know if you guys. I don't know how much you know about corn, but this is the "Are You Ready" Uh, one. (laughs) Yeah. Mister Know It All. Let's do Mister Know It All. They call me Mister Know It All. I will not compromise. I will not be told what to do. I shall not. I love the opening of this. The bass is very repetitive. Yeah. I like what the guitar does and the drums, but the bass gets a little annoying. Call me Mr. Know-It-All. 
views per intellect, and I'm such a good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lyrics of this one get me. Yeah. I had 116 to around 130. I like that part yeah. a lot. And then there's a part that I said it's the corn part, too. There are more later. corn parts. <laughs> Two, More is it 245? Part. Yes. Yeah. Um, so wait, what section did you say? 116, 116 to 130 is, I just wrote, I really like this section. Okay, I wrote down the guitar solo too. I wrote down um, that section too, Brandon. I put heavy chunk-a-chunk part. Don't chunk-a-chunk. Yeah, I wrote heavy. No, I wrote so thick. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be a joke in there. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that part's too short. Yeah, I feel like. (laughs) That drumming is really cool. Yeah. Really loose. Like, really, really loose. But I like it. This is one... So so thick. <laughs> <laughs> this is one that I think, Brandon, you're... I, I see the critique of, like, the bass part is so, like, relentless that it doesn't have yeah. any chance to really have, like, a, a groove to it, even though the guitar and drums are doing really cool things yeah that's true i kind of wanted to listen to the guitar solo because i think this one has an interesting one almost every song has had a guitar solo so far they are jammy this is the corn part right <laughs> and they're both like just doing a lot of hammering I almost get like a, a Tom Morello vibe yeah. here. Oh yeah, guitar wise. So that was one fifty six two ish. Is that where that was? It was like to about two thirty. So then we'll. Okay. Can you do two forty three? And I just want to see what it says. The corn part. <laughs> it gets really thick here. Like really, really, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds so much like <laughs> corn. <laughs> yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, good drumming. On this one, good drumming on the next one. This isn't a lot this of isn't drumming. one of my favorite songs on the album, I will say. Mr. No. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. yeah. It it's so it come it sits in my mind as being so silly uh-huh. that I almost forget how I really do like the music at times, but Yeah, it's another one where it's like I like it just doesn't need to be four minutes long mm-hmm. um like i feel like you could stitch together 
a couple of these songs together and like make something a little bit I don't know more interesting yeah like it's cool but then it just goes it just continues to go on and you're like okay well I get it I'm kind of done with it they drive stuff into the ground that's really the main criticism of of the song structure on this one I think yeah like I liked that thing you you said sounds like corn I think it sounds cool but then it's just like over and over again it's like okay I'm just kind of over it and I I think that's why like moments like the guitar solo when they were doing those kind of like hammered on um harmonics that you kind of get like it sounded almost like they were like tapping on the on the um pickups uh you get things like that and it's like oh this is sonically so different and cool but then they only they only do those moments for like a second and then they go back to <laughs> vamping this like thing over and over again it's like but that's much less interesting to listen to like i wish they'd kind of play more of the um the other things like vamp on those for a little longer or something totally agree frizzle fry let's do it Get a little tool vibe from that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Not it doesn't tool. sound like tool anymore. <laughs> no. But you can kind of see like the 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 influence it had on so many bands yeah. like i really feel like it's very clearly stamped like that is the tool part mm-hmm. uh and this came before that so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah i like that part it's yeah it's cool but yeah i don't know overall this song i felt like was kind of meh this listen through they're like neat little parts, but yeah, I think like same criticism as before, like things that are interesting. And this one does have a lot more changes than some of the other ones, but yeah. Yeah. I have a couple things marked down for this one. Yeah. And it's such a long song. <laughs> and I wrote, I like the bass drum on this one i don't think we maybe got to that part but it does cool things uh well i wrote down a couple there's like a key change moment at 345 420 ish there's a change 420 and and then around 445 there's a tempo modulation Uh, after the so long it's too many too many timestamps post four minutes. It's not a too g- many timestamps. <laughs> <laughs> they are going too long. Too many timestamps. <laughs> Keep going. It's Keep such going. a long song, and I don't. <laughs> uh, I had two thirty six to two fifty three, and I wrote this is my favorite part of the song. I have two, three forty, so it sounds like that would. 
capture it. like it when they do things together when they come together and they do like a a little metalish thing or a little turnaround i just it usually is my favorite part the 10 string instrument yeah yeah you really hear the metal vibes in that i like it it's cool this is the one that has the long outro with like the do 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 yeah this is under like 420 ish <laughs> yeah this is that thing you're talking about jim i like that bass yeah oh that's yeah. different kind of like yeah. black sabbathy who's that sound this sounds like grunge oh black sabbath and then just like anthraxy <laughs> different wow very fast bass playing holy cow and and in the guitar right right and again kind of a little bit of a tom morello-y vibe yeah that one's got some cool stuff but again they have such a distinct sound and it and it starts to get repetitive on the album. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't all stick out as my favorite or by any means, but there's stuff to like about them. Well, that's what I was sort of getting at with like, if you take parts of Too Many Puppies, parts of Mr. Know-It-All and parts of Frizzle Fry, like just kind of dissect those really interesting parts and then you could put them into one much shorter, like four minute song. And it would be like really interesting, and there's a, there would be like a lot packed into it. Kind of remove some of the cruft. Yeah, and that would make it feel more progressive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it feels like they get one to two ideas and they make it into a whole song. Should we keep moving? Yeah, John the Fisherman. So cool. (laughs) Guitar part is really cool. That guitar. Yeah, I wrote the guitar part is awesome. And this one's pretty funky. Yeah. It's funny, I wrote here, and I've said it so many times already, but I wrote, uh, 
I really like the guitar part. It's pretty funky. However, this song really exemplifies one of the things I don't necessarily love about Primus, about the Primus sound. It's really repetitive and it runs the bass part into the ground and it makes the song feel kind of stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I really love that, the thing that they do like with the upbeat, like the banana, banana, that's super cool. And then that guitar part is awesome and and kind of different it seems like oh i like that yeah yeah Yeah. that that almost sounds tom morello-ish in a in its Mm. own way like tom morello would perform it way different than that but it's it's still the kind of same kind of deal really cool Mm -hmm. sound effect yeah well they both i mean it's interesting because they both kind of tom morello and uh what's the guitarist's name again larry lund Larry, they both kind of honestly serve similar functions because like in in Rage, the rhythm section and and Zach de la Rocha kind of like fill out the sound and then Tom Morello kind of acts as like a DJ. And I think in a similar way, there's an element to that in Primus where like the drums and the bass are just taking up so much space. The guitar kind of has to kind of act on top like a auxiliary instrument it forces it to do more interesting things so yeah well said they do have a lot of songs like (laughs) just someone's name john (laughs) the fisherman yeah um jerry was a race car driver tommy the cat why known as big brown beaver (laughs) kill michael malloy (laughs) (laughs) herald of the rocks there's so many of them savington willoughby Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because we yeah. la- laughed at uh on the Groovis episode the idea of a song named Thomas Jackson. And that's like fifty percent yeah. of Primus's songs. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like a- <laughs> every Primus song is somebody's name. Oh, well, there is, I mean, lyrically it maybe is worth calling out. He does sort of have like a storytelling. Yeah aspect to a lot of the way he approaches lyrics is like let me tell you a story now children Mm -hmm. um which i think is interesting yeah Uh uh-huh however this is the first name we've gotten and we're we're halfway through almost so other than mr (laughs) know-it-all right and we don't know what frizzle fry is that's true could be a person <laughs> that's a good point that's a really good point is... <laughs> i hadn't thought of it that way that's a really good point are you patronizing me <laughs> it just became fun to that do be... and i kept wanting to do it i kind of want to hear i kind of want to see a magic school bus version <laughs> that's like primus does the soundtrack too yeah it'd be so messed up like <laughs> I mean the magic school bus is kind of messed up like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a weird way okay anyway any any moments from this song you want to call out I had around 140 there's like an interlude bridge kind of thing but I don't remember how it goes
There we go. That little two-minute area, that sounded kind of like one of the most progressive rock areas. A little bit like, oh, I can't, I don't know what they're going to do next. Yeah, weird meter kind of stuff. And yeah, those are cool parts. Yeah. And up until that, like, there's a moment where I was like, yeah, this bass line is just like this four-bar thing that, like, at the end of the of the four-bar phrase, they just, like, do a fill. The drums will do a fill, or Les will do a fill, and the drums will do a fill. And so, yeah, you start to get this, like, oh, I'm, like, kind of done with it. And then, thankfully, they change the part. But then it's so short-lived. It's, like, 10 seconds of, like, something that's really interesting. And then you go back into... <laughs> Right. I think similar to what you guys have been talking about, these last few songs and overall, I think this is, you could say this about the whole album is just when you listen to the song, for me, when I listen to the songs individually, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But then when I think back to the album, I'm like, I don't remember the difference between, they're not like distinct enough that you can be like, oh, John the Fisherman goes like this. And right, yeah, Frizzle Fry goes. That like is this. an extremely good point. That's a yeah. really good point. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, <laughs> but I really mean it. I, that that is exactly right because their sound is so similar. The yeah. way he he sings tends to be very similar. And there's not like memorable <laughs> vocal melodies. It's just like right, right. Yeah. And that's one of the things about them is like, I don't think I'd ever think of them and think, man, that's a really good song. You know, like, yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> it, it's a whole package and performance thing, but the songs kind of melt together completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you listen and you're like, wow, that is a really cool. They did something really cool. Yeah. And then it's kind of, yeah. And a lot of it does. I think that's sort of my feeling of the, especially the first half of the album is a lot of it just kind of blends together. Now something completely different. Yeah, which is nice. It's like right in the middle, smack in the middle of the album, you get something very different. Kind of waltzy. Uh-huh. Mr. Bungalow for sure. But again, only 26 seconds of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is a, a song um, by the band The Spent Poets. Or just spent oh. poets, um, so it's like a cover, and I think it was performed. Some of the instruments were pre- performed by Matt Weiniger, who is in the band Spent Poets. Oh, so that's, wh- that's why cool. it sounds completely different. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I I I'll try to remember to look them up because that sounds that little bit. I'm like, if that was a whole song, it might be my favorite on the whole album. Like it sounds. Yeah kind of thing i would like they have moments where 10 to 20 seconds of something that's just like totally different and you want to hear more of that and the things that they choose to extend really long you just kind of cut all those bits out and stitch it back together maybe Mm -hmm. um toys go winding down let's do it interesting like we're now on starting the back half of the album with a song that talks about winding down Oh, that's interesting. And love this opening. Yeah, yeah, that acoustic. But it doesn't last long. Doesn't last long. 
Which I don't mind, it's just... But then this part goes on for a long time. Which is also like, what a cool bass line. Yeah. It sounds impossible to maintain. Yeah. The triple S. This... Yeah, I mean, like, we're a minute minute in and, like, we haven't heard you just hear that, like, over and over again. And then, then you get the vocals on top of it. Yeah. So. The, the, the chops of playing that part was, like, mind-boggling to me when I was a teenager. Yeah. And I went and watched Same. the video of it. Yeah, and I went and watched the video of him playing it, like, it was an old, from around this time, 90 or 91. <clears throat> And it's really impressive. Like, he doesn't seem to... It's just... He's just busting that out without a lot of sweat. Yeah. Um, well, that's, like, one thing in general watching him perform is it seems effortless. Like, he just... Yeah. You don't you don't get a sense of the virtuosity by looking at him because he makes it seem so effortless. And even in the, like, the performance, like, there's doesn't really flub anything Mm -hmm. um but again like does that it's a really cool virtuosic thing but then do you need to loop it for two minutes probably not for me i think that i don't know if i have a um an unbiased view of this song so for me i i think this might it may be my favorite song on the album or it was was at the when i was um a kid just because I was like, oh, my God, I want to be able to play a part like that, you know? Yeah. I think it's a, it's an interesting song. Mm-hmm. I think this one suffers a little less from the repetitiveness because this is very different sonically than a lot of the things we've already heard. Yeah. yeah. It's just, um, I think, actually what makes this song really cool to me is what the guitar does on top of it yeah like if you were to remove the guitar from it it would kind of maybe eventually just not be super effective mm-hmm. um like what makes it cool is that like okay he's doing something cool on the bass he's just gonna repeat it for you know two and a half minutes mm-hmm. until <laughs> until there's those hits section and like a bit of a solo yeah and there's stuff where he which i find just like the variation of just changing octaves as like yeah. kind of effective in, in making like you feel like something different is happening in the bass part, which he that's does. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Can we listen to a little bit of the part with singing at 156, which is where the thing that I said at the very beginning of the <laughs> episode yeah. came from? <laughs> Uh, and I also had 256, which I wrote is the rage breakdown. 256, uh, sounds, you say? Yeah, 256. It sounds like a very specific rage part. 
Um, yeah, there's some hits before that too. Okay. So maybe let's go a little bit before hits. Um, it's pudding time. Yeah, we missed the it's pudding time. It's pudding time. Which is the it's next pudding song. time. Um, but uh, are you talking? I have like two twenty five where he's playing that part, and then he just occasionally will go like gong, like do that like really. Yeah, I yeah I want to hear yeah. that. Like I, I yeah two two thirty to to three is really interesting. Yeah, here's the it's changed to octaves, like you said. And the guitar kind of just sliding on top. And then it finally changes. Standing in yeah. line. Oh, Bowing yeah. down to the <laughs> oh, flag. I, <laughs> I, I didn't hear that. No. Got wow. a in your head. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. It does sound like bullet in the head. Yeah. There's so many distinct parts that are like, that's this band, that's this band, that's this band. Mm. And it all, but like you said, that hadn't come out yet. <laughs> right, so. right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, there's like a bass, like duet thing going on there with like the bowing and then the electric. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really impressive the way he um, is playing that part that we talked about being that is very just like chops perspective, technically hard to do. And then he's doing those strums. At sort of odd, like rhythmically kind of points, and he's switching between it really seamlessly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And time. I mean, it's not like improvised because they're timed with the drums. So not that anybody needs to give less Claypool like his flowers for being a good bass player because <laughs> it's obvious, but yeah, it is pretty cool. It's he's pretty great. I think we got pudding time next. What is pudding time? Do we know? I certainly don't. <laughs> yeah, it's like dessert time, and this song's a bit of an anti-capitalist or mm. anti-materialist kind of thing. The money, 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 money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What a wall of sound. Very noisy wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so cool. That sounds. That's my really favorite good. part of the whole song. I think. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I don't know. This is 
this listen, I really like this song. Like it's it changes a bit. Uh-huh. It's got some different qualities. The very, very opening, yeah, it's just a wall of sound and there's like like in improvising, there's like a couple of different ways you can approach improvising. And one of them is like just do your own thing and don't give a shit what anybody else is doing. <laughs> Get, like this has that feeling to it. Like the guitar is just doing like just like and then the drums are doing their own thing. The bass is just going wacky. I don't know. It's kind of cool. That guitar part that reminds me of like kind of what Kisner was saying, like a high school band that was like interested in doing weird <laughs> stuff, but not didn't have the facility to do it really. But so just going. <laughs> yeah 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 but you've heard his chops so far so it's just like it doesn't come off that way sure yeah to me yeah i'm pretty sure this is my least favorite one on on the album and the one that exemplifies better than any the part of like what is going on like <laughs> why is everyone doing something different and weird and it doesn't necessarily sound good <laughs> together the drums are literally and it's like you know it's if you put this on and somebody would be like that is noise that is just noise. <laughs> yeah 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 it, i mean well that's to me i guess like up until now it's felt the jammy stuff feels very jammy uh-huh like it's like oh there's a vamp and then they're just kind of gonna like play around and flourish on top of it but this one it feels like like i said like sort of this like almost the rules were like don't listen to each other you just play right and um and i don't know to me it's just a, it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air in the sense that it's like it feels very different um, it may be like a wall of noise, but at least it's like a wall of noise that we haven't quite heard yet, which I like about that. But it is chaos. <laughs> it has cool breakdowns in it, I remember. I was just going to say about the vocals, um, the when it comes in, uh, I was listening to it the other night and I was like, this reminds me of something really specific. And I was like struggling with it for a few minutes. And then I remembered it reminds me of, have you ever seen the um, videos of Andy Kaufman playing the congas and doing that? Like kind of. Yeah. And that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has that quality. Yeah. I mean, but he, he's articulating pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and it's really fast. Yeah. But yeah, very Andy Kauf. I mean, that feels right up. It feels just, I don't know, it feels yeah. in the theme here. For sure. Um, can we listen to the money, money bit? Mm-hmm. Bass chords, yeah. so it's like.
I know that they are doing stuff uh, that's really hard to play, but it still sounds like a high school band <laughs> jamming. It still sounds like there is a real element of like, now I'm going to do this. Do, do, do. Like, <laughs> there's an element of it that sounds so amateurish to me yeah. while being played super well. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't think there, I mean, unless it's like a high school band of like savants or like geniuses. Like, I don't know that like any we were. like 15 year old could play. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know. Um, that bass lick and the drums, like, and they play to the funny thing is it, is it does have a silliness to it. Yeah. But then it's very together. Like that ending bit, like they're playing all that stuff in like it's not repeated that whole section was like there wasn't a repeat to the phrasing um so i guess that's why i find that one interesting is it's like it's not vamped it's like it actually has a little bit of structure to it but it is very silly and does have a i can totally see the annoying aspect of it (laughs) like the andy kaufman yeah he's just saying money money (laughs) over again but it's kind of a standout vocally yeah because yeah. he's doing something different that reminds me of are you guys familiar with cabaret the, the money 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 there's a the yeah. money song any other should we do savington willoughby it's sort of almost an in, interstitial i mean it's kind yeah. of a song but it's this, short uh, <laughs> This one, my only note was I just wrote LOL because I don't know what else to say about this song. I really like that. I really like that one. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. And just yeah, the stuff that like the sort of um sounds like it's an upright bass. Yeah. In that one. And the way he says will la be it's very pleasing <laughs> to my ear. <laughs> but to your point, Kisner, it sounds like something that like w- we would do as like a joke sure yeah yeah <laughs> but i like the cool the there's like is it like maybe like almost vaudevillian sounding like yeah carnivaly yeah um it's a cool aesthetic yep yep yeah i just love how playful it is and yeah. it's so short yeah um so it's like funny that like things like that um they only do for 20 seconds. I know, I know. And both of those s- short ones um, are like, I would like that song. Like, they have that, what you're saying, Joe, like that vaudevillian feel. I'm uh-huh. always drawn to stuff like that, so I kind of wish. I think they dabble in it more on, like, Crossing the Sea of Cheese or whatever it is. Like, they, they get yeah. they give more time to that kind of stuff later, but... Mm-hmm. All right, spaghetti western. Oh, actually, this might be my least favorite. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, 
Oh. <laughs> I wrote down that this might be one of my favorites. Uh, keeping the tradition yeah. alive. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just love the, like, the stereo panning on the toms. So you get this, like... Yeah. Circular feeling. This kind of has like more of a tool ish vibe to it as well. Yeah. At least the drum and bass. Yeah. Definitely a bit jammy too, because there's. We still haven't quite gotten into anything yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My exact my exact quote is "Cool drums, but my God, we do not need this super long jam song." The lyrics are pretty funny. Yeah. It feels very... Um, Why do we do this, CG and I? It seems very Gen X-y to me, the, the mm-hmm. lyrics, like the, the sort of conceit of the song, the spoken word part, and just like evocative of like not doing anything and stoners and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I got some parts. I wrote... Oh, yeah, yeah. Me too. Um, what did you write down? I put 145, which I think is a guitar solo. Yeah. And, and then something... It gets, it gets into a groove. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wrote both those two. Pull the pud. <laughs> oh, I love that bass line. Yeah. But I'm not enjoying it because of the guitar is ruining it. In my oh, opinion. the guitar is so good. <laughs> Just, oh, I just love the guitar stop playing line. and let it's me hear like... the bass part for a second and then come in with... The... It, it, I, it's so much of the same formula of... I admire the their... cool. I, I admire their willingness to just make really, like, non-appealing sounds a lot. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I think, the, to me, it's, this is the most interesting moment on the record. It's like, there's a really interesting bass line the drums finally got into a really cool groove which they don't really get into a groove very often usually playing like kind of like medley kind of things with like double bass and like this one it finally gets into a groove and then the guitar is just kind of playing this like wacky like just notes all over the place um i feel like it's like one of the more effective moments of the album for me um where I can hear like, oh, the virtuosity of everybody's kind of on display, and it's interesting 
to listen to and isn't like uh something that we've heard earlier in the album. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that I agree, eh. but I I I love your passion. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Oh, boom, boom, bam, boom, 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 boom. I did write like this is a reminder of why this band is loved by jam band folks. Oh, yes. But like jammy in a way that I think the reason why I like it is it's jammy in a way that's not like it doesn't sound like sweet, you know, to your ear. It's like jammy, but like fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so you like how bad it is. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that it sounds so bad. <laughs> but at least it's long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got me. Yeah. I just don't I don't see this see it the same way you guys do this one. And I yeah. also don't necessarily feel like it's something we haven't heard before. It feels very similar to everything we've heard before to me. I don't think so. I mean, there's like um, a moment where like the singing and the guitar, because it sounds like the guitar is all over the place, but then the voice and the guitar double each other. And so, I don't know. There's little moments of surprise for me in this one that like... uh. Whereas in other songs, it just feels like they're vamping. And this one, there's like little pockets of like, oh, there's something that's actually interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the next one, if unless there's any objections, we can move on to Herald of the Rocks. I actually think Herald of the Rocks is like more jammy than Spaghetti Western. Because um, it's, it's got a little bit more of a bluesy yeah, vibe. It's, it's more conventional jammy. I had like yeah. dazed and confused, like as yeah. I wrote Led Zeppelin yeah. part. It sounds yeah. so much like dazed and confused. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, I think Spaghetti Western would not be like a standout to me, but I do like. I mean, it would be middle of the pack for me, but it doesn't doesn't upset me in the way it does for you. Harold. <laughs> so, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little RHCP. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it has a, a Chili Peppers vibe. Yeah, to me, there's like Spaghetti Western and then this song, I'm like, I feel like are stronger than some of the stuff in the beginning of the album. His name is Harold. I, 
This is one of maybe, aside from Sathington Willoughby, it may be the only song where it just opens with vocals. Like they get right to it, which is not typical. Yeah. Mr. Know-It-All does. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Actually, Mr. Know-It-All. <laughs> it's an ironic name for that uh, interjection. <laughs> but it's not common. It's not their common form. Yeah. No, and I feel like those are two of the stronger tunes, Mr. Know-It-All and Harold of the Rocks. Like when they get, they get to the point. Yeah, this one's really, really funky when it comes yeah. in. I like it a lot. I like this one a lot too. And I have 230 as the Led Zeppelin part. Yeah, that's what I have. Very, I wrote very bluesy jam. And the just deconstructing of the tempo. See, this to me is like a breath of fresh air. This is like, oh, we haven't heard this. Well, there's a lot of space. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of space. That's what it is. They don't do that very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ten seconds later, it's going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like that one. Can we listen to then the 520? Well, I had 450 and 525. We don't know if we need to listen to both, but I think 450 there's like a fuzz bass sound thing and then there's like the end of the song. Yeah, the sort of comedic definitely feels like yeah mocking yeah. blues yeah. <laughs> like they do this long bluesy jam and then they totally mock blues in the in the ending and walked away last Harold I think this is just the regular part uh yeah let's go to five yeah go to five 20. I don't know why I put uh five or four fifty. I love that chromatic line down though. Yeah. So cool. So so cool. And and then they bring so, yeah. back some of the space. What a couple of dumb shits. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just making a mockery of it at the end. Yeah. What a couple of dumb shits. <laughs> And that's the end. I mean, that's how they ended the record. Oh, really? That's the end? Well, there's Hello Skinny and Constantinople, right? Yeah, that's a... Uh, yeah, and To Defy. That's Yeah, there's oh, the To Defy, to Defy was, was the way it, it really ended, but that's just like an interstitial kind of... Um, and then the other one was an addition on the remix, or re, uh, remaster version. Oh. And it's oh, okay. a cover. 
and to defy is just yeah it's super short the sound it's just to defy the laws of tradition over yeah it's like a snippet of that yeah. a reprise yeah Yeah, it just ends almost like a playback of the record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, Hello Skinny Constantinople is a residence cover. I haven't listened to the residents, but aside from in the last few weeks, but they're like kind of an art collective uh, from like that started in like the late 60s. Oh, I always thought. Um, I always thought it was kind of like a take on Istanbul not Constantinople by the four lads or performed by the four lads. well it, it may be that's what the residents were doing but my understanding uh, is that that song is a residence cover but that's what mm-hmm. I thought of too Matt like I can't hear Constantinople in a song and not think of Istanbul Istanbul not Constantinople well yeah and even the just the the chord structure in the is yeah. yeah. We can listen to a bit of it. It sounds like the bass is doubled. This sort of cheesy like Everyone in the 90s who wanted to make something sound exotic or Middle Eastern does this, like, harmonic minor thing. Yeah. forward to the Constantinople bit. Yeah, I have 229 mm. as the yeah. spot. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. Is it the is it the bass that's doing the I don't know or is it the guitar? I think it's the bass. I don't know yeah, if he's doing them at the same time or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds. It's like wow, that would be incredible. Yeah. Is he just like um, hammering on with like his left hand on the fretboard? Is that what that is? It sounds like yeah. it. Something like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Cool. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think? I mean, I think we kind of got the gist of what you think. Yeah. 
there's a lot to like about it. Um, it had to grow on me, but I enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed talking about it. It was an interesting one. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, there's a lot of moments that I really, really like, but it took me a couple of listen. Like, it required a lot of patience, I think, um, to come back to it. Like, I put it on, I was like, Ugh, I just need to take a, I had to take many breaks from listening to it. Um, and so I don't even know if I actually sat down and listened to the whole thing in one shot. Uh, like I had to kind of break it up into bits. Um, but overall, I think like, yeah, I really like a lot of what they do. Um, but as a, like a sit down and listen to it straight through, it was challenging. So the lesson is, listeners, if you listen to Primus, give it some patience. Just have some patience <laughs> with them. It definitely, I think that like the third time through, I appreciated it more than like the first time this week, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I had the same criticisms that you guys had, basically, that a lot of repetition. But yeah, it was it was a big influence on me, so I enjoyed it. Same. Awesome. Well, let's wind it down like some toys. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for listening. If you would like to follow us on Instagram at so so cool pod um or give us a a rating and review that would certainly help and otherwise come back next week and stay frosty bye-bye it's pudding time children